we come before you. The great I am. The great I am. And Father, we ask in the mighty name of Jesus, your Son, we ask, Lord, that you would bring freedom in the hearts and in the lives of every one of your children this day. And a greater sense of our understanding of what freedom is in God. And what freedom is in Christ. And what freedom is in our lives. And so, Father, we ask in the next few moments as we look into the perfect law of liberty, the Word of God, that your Holy Spirit would fill our hearts afresh and anew with a deeper understanding of our authority in Christ and the armor and the strength that we have. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord, in the power of your might. Father, we have freedom. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. That's right. And Lord, we have been set free. And so, Lord, in the next few moments, God, may our hearts be encouraged. May we be built up in our most holy faith. And Lord, may our faith be increased because we've been in your word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so, Lord, may your word dwell richly in our hearts even this day. Father, we're praying for and the continuance of your healing work in the hearts and the lives of those in our family. Father, we thank you for the work that you have done already this week in Pastor Tim and his healing and his recovery and the process there. Lord, and even just the discovery of what was going on physically with his heart. And so, Lord, we give you thanks and we're thankful for Charlene and the family and asking God your blessing and your peace and your continuance of touch in his heart and his life. Lord, we thank you. I just even seen Jean Greenwood before service, and Lord, just some things going physically in her body. Lord, we pray for God. We've had, we've had a, a busy week this week, and uh, we had a graveside memorial for our dear brother, Floyd Becker, and, uh, and a celebration of life service yesterday for those who were there. It truly was a celebration of life. What an amazing service, and uh, so very, very thrilled. Uh, that his desire was not to have a celebration of life for his life, but the celebration of life, the life of Jesus Christ. And uh, so it was all about Jesus, and there were some things about Floyd, and it was just beautiful. Uh, there was an altar response uh, at the service, and several recommitting their lives to Christ was powerful, and that was his deepest wish. And so thanks be to God for that. Uh, Pastor Tim, it is just a thrill to have you uh, healing up. If you have not heard the news, uh, Pastor Tim had an uh, acute heart attack that lasted literally seven days. And uh, he, uh, he was feeling some stuff in his chest and uh, then kind of went down to his arms a little bit, some breathing stuff, even some indigestion. So there was confusion. What's really going on with my body? But finally, it was enough was enough. He went to the hospital, they hooked him up to an EKG, and then the EKGist, whatever that assignment or that job is, looked at it and said, hey, I'm going to send this over to the cardiologist, there's something going on here. Send it over to the cardiologist, the cardiologist sent word back, hey, put him in an ambulance, get him over to the hospital, and he was already at Kaiser at the Mount Scott building. And so they called an ambulance, 
the ambulance got right over there. And so Pastor Tim's first travel in an ambulance, he didn't get sirens. He didn't get speeding. He didn't get to go through any traffic lights. He went about, I don't know, half of a football field <laughs> over to emergency. They unloaded him on the gurney, brought him in. And uh, sure enough, he was in the midst of a heart attack. They uh, did an angioplast, expanded, put a stint in his artery, and uh, he is now in the process of recovering. And he told me this morning by way of testimony, he said last night was the first night he had truly peaceful rest and a good night's sleep. He woke up, he even had more color in his skin. I mean, I looked at him and I said, hey, you almost look like you've been out in the sun. Tanner, what's going on here? Anyway, he's doing great, so thank you for your prayers and continued prayers for the family. Then Pastor Dennis and Jill and Abigail are out of town, so we are trusting that they are having some good vacation time and recovery. Jonathan and I came back from vacation. If you were here last week and you heard Pastor Matthew's message, give a whoop whoop for Pastor Matt. Did a great job. And the worship team, of course, did a great job. Thank you, Mariah, for filling in this morning here. Do you love and appreciate Mariah and her worship leader? send anyone over to the Damascus campus, but if you love Mariah's worship leading, you know, she does it every single week over there, so praise the Lord. Uh, stay here, please. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it's, it's good that uh, Pastor Dennis and the family can get away. They had some pretty exciting things happening the week previous, and Abigail's graduation, of course, and so forth and so forth. So, uh, up to speed. Now, ushers, I'm going to invite you to come forward at this time. If our ushers would come, they're prepared to serve us. And while they're coming forward, I do just want to direct you really quickly to our program. We put these out each week, and there's information in the program about activities and things that are going on throughout the next and coming months. Principal amongst them is the church campout sign-up. We want to encourage you to sign up for the church campout. It's coming forth in the month of July, and uh, the dates are there July 11th through the 13th at Mount Hood RV. It is glorified backyard camping. It's not real tough stuff over there. <laughs> warm showers, that will just give you an idea, swimming pools and that kind of a thing. Well, let's, let's be encouraged. We serve a God that is generous. A generous God. Can I get an amen? amen? He has given all things. In fact, He has blessed us, the scripture says, with every spiritual blessing. Say, every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. All of the promises of God, say that, all of the promises of God are in Him, yes, and in Him, amen. So He has abundantly given. We want that generosity in our own lives. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so we want to encourage you in your generosity as well, that the Spirit of God would just flow through, and we would bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. We would bring in the alms. Those alms gifts are so that we can help our brothers and sisters in times of need. And we have, in most recent days, been called upon by family members within our fellowship and within our community for alms. And so because of your generosity, we've been in a position to help others both in the fellowship and in our community in most recent days. And so I want to thank you for that. And then also bringing in offerings. Offerings would be those dollars that we use to further the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, both on the home field right here in Oregon, in the U.S., as well as on the foreign mission field. So I want to just encourage you in those ways. Let's 
ask the Lord's blessing this morning. Father, we give you praise and we give you thanks. Thank you, Lord, for your generosity in our lives. You are a generous and a good, good God. Every good and perfect gift flowing from the Father of lights. And so, Lord, we praise you and give you thanks. Lord, we want to walk in obedience to you and to your word. And so, Lord, we bring the full tithe into the storehouse and we bring alms gifts, Lord, to help and be a blessing to family members in our community. And Lord, we want to bring in the offerings so that the gospel can go forth powerfully and effectively on the foreign field as well as right here in our backyard, Lord. We give you praise and we give you thanks and ask your blessing this morning on, on those offerings, God. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone's so strong, amen. 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 God bless you. Now, again, uh, items inside your bulletin, please take a few moments to look through those. I want to turn your attention to the Gospel of John. We've been walking through the Gospel of John, uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we find ourselves in John chapter 8. So if you want to turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 8, I will tell you that in the last two weeks as I have been going through John chapter 8, oh, and junior hires. Hey, if you're a junior hire in here and you feel like a junior hire, well, or if uh, wives, if your husband acts like a junior hire from time to time, our junior hires are being dismissed right now. Joel and Jenny, or Joel, that call is in the back, and he is taking our junior hires out. So uh, let's give it up for the junior hires as they're heading out. Thank you, guys. Uh, let's thank the crew in the back for reminding me when I forget things like our junior hire release. Thank you, guys. Thanks, John. Uh, as we've been going through the Gospel of John, it's uh, I, I trust you have been being encouraged, and in the midst of the encouragement, I trust that you are being challenged as well. The words of Jesus and the things that Jesus says are always going to challenge us in our walk with the Lord. Always going to challenge us. And it's going to be an invitation into the life that God has for us in Christ Jesus. And so, hey, we got some music going. Someone's smoking right on. Um, anyway, I, I want to really encourage you in relationship to where we are today. We're going to start chapter 8 downstream a few verses. We're going to begin in verse 31. So I want, to, I want to have you turn the page probably to verse 31. If your Bible has a heading, it will say something like this, the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. If you're taking notes today, I want the title is True Freedom. True Freedom. And before we go any further, today, there is freedom in Christ Jesus for every man, woman, and child. Can I get an amen? amen. And it is true freedom. The truth shall set you free. And there's true freedom in Christ Jesus. And so with that being said, I believe today, being a communion Sunday, we're going to navigate this portion of scripture together and at the communion table no matter where your real freedom has been being lived out so you may have this mental ascent that i'm free in christ and i've been delivered from all the bondages of sin i've been delivered from all xyz in my life and you say mentally i'm there and in my ideal christianity that's where i am 
But if that differs at all from where you really live the 168 hours of the every week, you may have moments where it's complete freedom and then other moments where it's giving in, overcome by temptation, overcome by some plaguing, continual sin in your life. Paul uses a description at one point in time and he says, the very things that I want to do, I do not do, but that which I don't want to do, that I do. Who will save me from this body of flesh? Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But Paul was recognizing the Spirit of God speaking through him and writing through him these words to remind us that there is a reality and there is a victory. We need not stay there. There is that walk that we can be walking in the Spirit and overcoming on a daily basis. All of the battles of the minefield that are in our minds, and I don't, when I say minefield, I'm not M-I-N-E, M-I-N-D, mind field, right? How we live out physically, the things we do in the physical sense. And so there's victory over all of those. So let's dive in. We've got just a handful of verses this morning. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, I'll pause here for a moment. The conversation that he has just had, there are some Jews that were there listening and they put their hope and faith in him. He is Messiah. And so now Jesus is turning to them and he is speaking to them. He says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. They answered him. Now there's another group of Jews that hadn't believed, and these are, every time John uses the term Jews, he's referring to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the doctors of the law, the teachers of the law, the rabbinical group, and the priests, if you will. So they answered and said, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Now, I want to pause here, because from chapter 3 all the way up to where we are right now, every time Jesus is saying something to the Jews, he is referring to something on a spiritual level, and they're receiving what he says in a natural sense of the word. So Jesus is talking about a liberation spiritually, and they're thinking we've not been in bondage to anyone physically, which they absolutely forget their history. But regardless of that, they're thinking with the natural mind. And I want to draw our attention to that too, because these were religious people, and sometimes you and I can put on our religious hats, and we look at what Jesus says, and somehow we think it doesn't apply to us. But I want everyone to be reminded today that he is speaking spiritual things and he is talking about a deliverance that is a freedom that's more than just being in bondage in a physical sense like behind bars. Bring it that. Right? People sitting in this room, if statistics are correct, there are people that are in prison 
but not in the physical sense of sitting in a cell, right? Bound by something. And God wants to bring deliverance there. True deliverance. Okay. So, we are Abraham's descendants, verse 33 says again, and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly, verily, verily, amen and amen. So be it, so be it. I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Wait a minute. That puts all of us in that boat. Right? Because all of us are guilty of transgression. All of us are guilty of sin. All of us are guilty of violating the very laws and principles of God's Word. And so, he who commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever. But a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. So, today, sinners, today, sinners, all of us, if the Son has made us free, we are free indeed. If your faith and trust is in Jesus Christ today for the forgiveness of your sin, and you are born again, can I get an amen? Amen. You have been made free by the Son of God. Therefore, you are free indeed to the bonds of sin that hold men fast to the things that we engage in that would be sin. We have been delivered and the chains, like we sang this morning, breaks every chain, breaks every chain, breaks every chain. Every chain gone. Cut, severed, deliverance, true freedom. Now, as disciples of Christ, we do have some common enemies that it seems as though their mission, and they collaborate together, their mission is to deceive us that we are still bound. to the things that we have been delivered from. So our common enemies are these. The devil, our adversary, his forces, the principalities, the powers, the rulers, and the authorities, the spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly places. We have a very real enemy, and he is crafty. And he is powerful. The book of Jude tells us even Michael the archangel did not cast a reviling accusation against the devil when they disputed over the bones of Moses, but said, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Right? Careful not to say ill of dignitaries, as Jude also tells us that some dreamers do, and don't realize what they're about. And so, careful, we have a strong adversary, but we have a stronger advocate, and we'll talk about that in a moment. 
The second enemy, the world. The world. This playing field, so to speak, that we live our lives out in the midst of. This world. The things of this world. This world currently is under the domain and dominion of the prince of the power of the air. When Jesus was baptized and came up out of the water and the Spirit descended upon him as a dove and the voice of God, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, immediately the Scripture says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and he was tempted for 40 days. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and he was tempted. The tempter came to him on one occasion and said, here are all of the kingdoms of this world. I will give them to you if you will bow down and worship me. How could Satan offer something to Jesus if he did not have dominion over them at that time? He has dominion over the things of this world. The prince of the power of the air. And the devil and the world and its systems and everything that is in them. He is using to tempt and to draw believers and non-believers away from the truth that is contained in God's Word and the freedoms that you and I have as believers. And finally, our flesh, this tent, the outward part. Before you and I gave our hearts to Jesus, we were what would be known as a dichotomy. We had a... We had a flesh or a body and a soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and your emotions. Mind, will, and emotions. And every physical being, animals, insects, mosquitoes, they're driven by urge, the needs to be met. Why do mosquitoes suck blood? Because they need food. And that's how they get it. And I know some of you want to ask God when you get to heaven, why did you make mosquitoes guy? <laughs> At the end of the day, you and I, we have physical urges. Listen, you, God gave your body, your physical body, involuntary muscles. Your diaphragm, you cannot control your diaphragm. Hold your breath. And don't take care ever again. Good luck with that. You'll hold your breath until your diaphragm says enough is enough. And you'll open your mouth and you'll suck in a whole bunch of air. Because your diaphragm is going to make you do it. Involuntary muscles. God made you have an urge for oxygen. And so you'll suck it in. Even if you're underwater holding your breath, your body was designed... When it says, I need air, you're going to respond to me and you will open your mouth and you will fill that urge with water. And so, there are involuntary muscles and that urge is there. And it's your urge for fluid, liquid. You're, you're going to get satisfied at some point in time. Thank you, Riker, that was awesome. <laughs> you're going to satisfy your thirst with water or some other beverage. You're going to satisfy... Anybody ever have those noises in your stomach? 
at inappropriate times, you're standing in a crowd, maybe you're in the elevator and your stomach starts to talk. You know, like everyone looks around and goes, yep, that was me. You get hungry. And eventually you're going to consume some food. Goes right on down the line. Urges. And the flesh will seek to satisfy its natural urges. It's an enemy. Because oftentimes the urges will seek to be fulfilled in an inopportune way or in an illegal way, if I can say it that way. The, 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 the drive for reproduction to fulfill in an unlawful manner fornication, adultery, sexual immorality, and it's flagrant in our world, flagrant in our world, and it's flagrant in the church, and it ought not be. The devil, the world, and the flesh, they'll collaborate together and actually coordinate our failures. Our flesh will cooperate with the world and with the enemy. That's why the scripture Paul says, make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh. So, let's go a little further here in this morning's message. Peter reminds us of our adversary, the devil. Let's look at these three enemies kind of in that order, the devil, the world, and the flesh. Peter reminds us, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Our adversary the devil is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, if you've ever watched the National Geographic shows on television or the History Channel where they're doing something in Africa and you watch the lions and their opportunistic type of attack, it's not by accident that the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to use the metaphor of a lion. A lion hunts in a pack. And there is a roar of the lions, and they'll attack. And where they attack, they attack the weakest of the herd. They'll find a weak spot or a weak animal, a youngling, and they will attack to kill. Our adversary has come but to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his mission, that is his motive, that is his purpose, and that is what he has come to do. And he is roaring and roaming around seeking to devour. The verse starts off with this phrase, be sober, which is really translated, be self-controlled. And I'm going to come back to that in a few moments when we talk about the flesh. So think, just kind of put that off the side, be self-controlled. So let's talk about our enemy. Let's, here's three reminders. I want to just give you three reminders this morning about your, your adversary and my adversary. Number one, he's been defeated. Can I get an amen? amen? He's been defeated. Keep this in mind. Satan is not God's equal. Satan is a created being by God. Okay? He was an angelic host. He was created. He is not God's equal. And he has been defeated. That's right. 
What Adam forfeited in the garden, and we don't have time to go into the theology of what transpired there, it was forfeited by man and has been redeemed by the God-man, Jesus. Jesus defeated our adversary. The scripture reminds us of this in Colossians chapter 2. He made a public spectacle of them, disarming them and triumphing over them through the cross. He defeated our adversary. Our champion, Jesus. Let's hear for champion Jesus. Champion Jesus defeated our foe. We win. Come on. We win. Number two reminder. We have been given authority over him. Not only over him, but over all of what he represents. The scripture tells us in the book of Revelation, when it's in reference to the fiery serpent, the devil, he took a third of the stars of heaven in his tail. So in his rebellion, he took a third of the angels in his rebellion. And there are forces, fallen angels, demonic forces that he is over and we have authority over them all. Jesus said, Behold, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And I have given you authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions and all of the power of the evil one. Say that with me. All of the power of the evil one. Nothing shall harm you. Amen. get jacked about that. He has given us authority to trample upon all of the power of the evil one. Nothing shall harm us. Thanks be to God. Number three, we have been given armor to stand against, to withstand within the evil day. Armor. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith with which we are able to extinguish how many? All, All of the fiery darts of the evil one and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions. Man, we've been given weaponry armor to withstand against the evil in the midst of the evil day. We can stand. Having done all to stand, stand therefore fully armed with the armor of God. So, the devil's mission again to keep the disciples in bondage to sin, to live a defeated life, to get you and I to give up, to stop living for the Lord and His kingdom. So you and I, we are somewhere on the spectrum of absolutely walking in victory, living for the kingdom of God moment by moment to living a defeated life in the bondages of sin. We're somewhere on that spectrum. And no matter where you are today, 
God wants us over here, and he has given us the freedom to live right there. To live there. He's given us the freedom. So, what are some therefores? Number one, maybe not number one, let me just say it this way. If the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. Say that with me. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. I just want to encourage you right now. Your faith is in Jesus Christ. Will you just make that declaration? I am free indeed. I am free indeed. I am free. Okay, in relationship to the devil, let us not give him any grounds or let's not rearm him with any weaponry. Remember Colossians 2.15 says he's been disarmed. So let's not rearm him. We do that sometimes. We're like, oh, I'm sorry, you dropped that here. Let me do Use this against me. That'll be great. Why do we do that? Why do we give our adversary ground? Let's not do that. Can I get any of that? Let's not do that. Why give back a, a cord and say, hey, could you tie this around my waist again? I'm sorry, it, it fell off. Why would we do that? Here, the, these fetters, these shackles, these handcuffs, they, they fell off me a few moments ago. Could you put them back on? You notice when Paul and Silas were in the Philippian jails and they were singing and giving praise to God in the midst of the evening and their shackles and their chains fell off? You didn't hear them say, hey, guards, uh, we've, we've been set free. The door is now open. The chains have fallen. Come hook us back up. They didn't do that. No, what they did was they went in and they found the guard and his family and they gave him the truth and the truth set them free. The Philippian jailer was saved and his family. Come on! Victory! Okay. This is the second thought, or therefore, let first, let's not give one back. Second, exercise your exosia. Exor exosia is the Greek word for authority. Exercise your authority. <coughs> if you don't use the authority that is given to you, it is no authority at all. Let me say that again. If you don't use the authority that has been given to you, it is no authority. Unexercised is no authority. So exercise your exosia. Take authority over the forces of evil in your life. Listen, if you're praying for a child who's away from God right now, taking authority over the evil one, Michael the archangel gives us the example the Lord rebuke you, Satan. You and I, we can rebuke the forces of evil in the name of Jesus and overcome and see them defeated. Do you believe this? Yes. Yes. We have authority. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. All authority under heaven and earth has been given to me. Behold, I give you authority. It's delegated authority. Listen, absolutely every single believer in the house this morning, you and I, we have diplomatic immunity. Our citizenship is in heaven. And our king is Jesus. And we are under his jurisdiction, not the jurisdiction of the devil and this world. 
Man, when the devil comes to you and tries to take your family or destroy something in your family, you show them the diplomatic immunity card. I belong to the king. I am under his jurisdiction. I am not under the principles and the systems of this world. And we take authority over the evil one and we believe God for that victory. Can I get an amen? Amen. We got all kinds of time. <laughs> okay. And there, there's so much more there. So much more there. Absolute deliverance from and freedom and liberty from the forces of evil. Nothing shall harm you. Lay claim. All of the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him. Amen. Nothing shall harm you. That is a promise of God. Do we believe what the Word of God says? Let us apprehend and live there. Does that make sense? We have to lay claim to the promise. We have to lay claim to the promise. We have to know what the promise is to lay claim to it and say, that's mine. I'll stand on that word. I'll stand on that truth. I'll stand on that promise. Okay. Regarding the second enemy, our second enemy, the world. Again, John, in one of his smaller epistles, the first, uh, first John, as we have it in our scriptures, chapter 2 and verse 16 says, All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Categorically, if we could somehow categorize all manner of sin, it's going to fall under one of these three categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. So any temptation you face is under one of those categorically three areas. You can see all three of these in Genesis when Adam and Eve, Eve very specifically being deceived about the fruit, all of her responses identify these three categories and ultimately Adam willingly took the fruit and ate of the fruit as well. And sin entered into the world and because of sin, death entered by sin, the scripture tells us. So all of these, and here is the remedy. How many of us would like a remedy to these three categorical sin capacities? We want the remedy. Everybody want the remedy? You want the remedy? Here's the remedy. And it's not a formula. It's just the truth, okay? If we read, in fact, I think we have the scripture. Bring the scripture up. 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Go to the next slide. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Go to the next. And the world is passing away, and the lusts of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Bring us back to verse 15. Verse 15, here's the remedy. Do not love the world. It's, it's a 
classic rivalry. Am I going to love the world or am I going to love God? Because I can't do both. Jesus said, no man can have two masters. He'll either love the one, despise the other, or love the one, despise the other. Let's love God. Can I get an amen? amen. If we love God, the temptations of the world will grow dim. But it comes back to verse 17. And there's the word, verse 17. Bring that up, John, please. Verse 17. 17. There we go. <laughs> he who does the will of God abides forever. What is the will of God? Abiding in the Word. Abiding in Jesus. Abiding in the Spirit. Abiding in the Lord. You want to do a good word study, do a word study on the word abide. You'll be delighted to find out blessings associated with abiding in Him. If I abide in Him. Do a word study on in Him. In Him. In Him. In Him. How many times the New Testament writers were inspired to use that phrase? In Him we have. In Him. Thus and so. In Him. That's this idea of abiding. And God gives us the ability, gives us the freedom to abide in Christ. So, this classic love the world or love God? We all want to love God. Can we get an amen? Amen. So therefore, remember Jesus' words. Because this is a heart issue. This is a heart issue. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your treasure is in this world, your heart will be in this world and there will be a love for the things of the world. Listen, I, I can just tell you right now, uh, if you have a 401k, if you have uh, money in the, in the market, most people, when they put their money there, what do they start to do? They start to, do, they start to worry. <laughs> That's funny. Put it in the market, guess what they start to watch? They watch the rates. They begin to see, am I making money or am I not making money? And they be where their treasure is, there their heart is. I gotta see how I'm doing. Now this has become important to me. Here's a principle. Put your resources in the kingdom. And what are you gonna start doing? You're gonna be more interested in the things in the kingdom. Does that make sense? Time, treasure, talent. You put it in the kingdom and you'll start to be engaged in the kingdom. And that will be part of the process of abiding in the Lord and in the things of the Lord. So therefore, treasure the Lord your God. Treasure the kingdom of the Lord your God. Treasure the things of the kingdom of the Lord your God. Let me, say, let me say this, just in relationship to our money. Anybody have a problem with that statement, our money? You should, because it's not ours. It's his. We're just stewards. Right? It's not ours. It's his. Did we get that? Everything, everything we think we own, we don't own, he does. Right? It's his. 
Let's swallow that tomorrow. We're not here. Worship team's coming up. They're keeping me on time. Because I have to do it. It's his. And so, I want to encourage you to be faithful. Because here's what God says. If we're faithful with that which he has entrusted to us in the small things, like just commerce, our money. If we're faithful with our money, God will entrust to us the true riches of the kingdom. But if we're not faithful even with just a simple thing of money, which is the commonality that we all have of commerce, if we're not faithful with that, he's not going to entrust to us the true riches of the kingdom. But if we're about the kingdom, don't we want to know about the true riches of the kingdom? I think we do. And so let's be faithful. Let's start there. Let's be faithful. Okay. So, treasure. Treasure the things of the kingdom of the Lord your God. Those three things. Hey, let's love God, let's love people, and let's serve others. The third enemy of the flesh, I simply want to say, the scripture said, be sober. Be sober. Be self-controlled. Here's the reality. Self-control, it is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So, God help us to be producing fruit of the Spirit. Three reminders will be up on the board here. Boundaries, there are cravings, and there are the seeking of the fulfilling of the cravings. That's what our flesh does. It's designed to have boundaries, the flesh has natural cravings, and the flesh seeks to fulfill its natural cravings. So, here are the therefores. Number one, we must live within the boundaries of holiness. Holiness is our boundary. Don't look to see if something's right or wrong. Just look to see if it's holy or unholy. Because you cannot justify holiness to make something right. You can justify anything to make it right, but you cannot justify holiness. Does that make sense? The boundary is holiness. If it's unholy, we'll do it. That's the boundary. Does everybody understand that? Does that make sense? It's good. Right? So when you look at on your computer, if it's unholy, don't do it. Don't do it. Self-control. We must crucify the flesh. Listen, the scripture tells us to crucify the flesh. Paul said, mortify your flesh. Give no occasion for the flesh. He says in Galatians, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We must crucify the flesh. And finally, let us walk in the Spirit. We must walk in the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, we will not gratify or fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let us walk in the Spirit at all times. So if the Son has made you free, you are free indeed. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get an amen? I'm going to invite you to stand this morning and thinking, thinking about this freedom that we have in Christ. I'm going to invite our ushers to come at this time. Today is a communion Sunday. We're going to come to the communion table. And I mentioned that somewhere on that spectrum we're living in freedom. And recognizing these things about our enemies, the devil, the world, and our flesh, wherever we may find ourselves, absolute victory, absolute defeat, God wants us to live here. And He's given us the freedom to live there. And we can live there. We can walk in the Spirit on all occasions. We can walk in the power of His might. We can bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. We can win the battlefield of the mind. Bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Destroying arguments. Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. How many pretensions? Every 
all of them. He says we can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not most, not some, not few. All things through Christ. With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Thank you, Charlie. The Lord bless you. So wherever you find yourself, there's freedom. And I want to invite you at the communion table this morning to make a declaration. I am going to walk in the freedom that has been provided and supplied for me. I'm going to walk in the freedom that has been provided and supplied for me. And let's walk in the power um, and might of the Lord. Let's walk fully armed with the armor of God. Let's be more than overcomers in Christ. Let's be reminded that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. The gates of hell will not withstand the kingdom. They cannot stand in the midst of the kingdom. And we are Christ's ambassadors. We represent His kingdom in this world. Diplomatic immunity. Can I get an amen? Amen. At the communion table, we serve an open communion. We invite you all. Your faith is in Jesus. Please be a partaker this morning with us. I'm going to invite you to come and receive the envelopes. Will you hold them? We'll come down the middle aisles. We'll make our way back to our seats. And in just a few moments, we'll say a few words about these envelopes. Then we'll receive them together. And then we'll sing a closing worship song. So I'm going to dismiss you to come forward to receive the cup and the bread. And then hold the envelopes and we'll receive together. We'll partake of them together in just a few moments.
was betrayed at that last supper as we've come to know it, which is a Passover meal, known as the Seder meal in the Jewish community. It is a meal of remembrance, the Passover and what God accomplished in the Exodus in freeing the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt. God made atonement for the children of Israel by the blood of the Lamb that was to be over the doorposts and the lentils of the house that they were in. And they were to make bread without leaven. Leaven in Scripture is a type or a metaphor, if you will, of sin. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread, the true bread from heaven. We hold in our hand matzah bread, which is bread that is without leaven. And it is in remembrance of Christ and what he accomplished and what he did for us. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And I, I say this on a monthly basis. The bread is perforated. It's pierced. It's with holes. And Jews, as they partake of the Passover on an annual basis to this day, fulfilling what the prophet Zechariah said, they will look upon the one whom they have pierced. Metaphorically, when they look and hold the bread, they look upon the one whom they have pierced. The true bread of life that was without sin was pierced by them. And so they look upon the one whom they have pierced. It's also scored. There are stripes in it, both up and down and across from right to left. The prophet Isaiah reminds us that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes, we are healed. And so those stripes, the bread, reminds us of what Christ endured for us. So let's thank the Lord this morning for what Christ accomplished in leading up to his death upon the cross. Father, we thank you for your great plan of salvation and how this bread is an ensampling and an example to us. Metaphorically, it reminds us of all that Jesus accomplished for our salvation, leading up to our salvation. He has become the ransom for many. Jesus, we thank you for your obedience your obedience to the point of death and death upon the cross. You bore our stripes. You bore even their own piercing. As you said to Thomas, see, put your hand here where the nails were. Put your hand here at my side. Pierced. And so, Lord, we look to you and we say thank you. And as we partake of this bread, we just simply love and appreciate what you have done substitutionary for us. Let's partake of the bread together this morning. tell us that on the same night after supper he took the cup and again by way of reminder there was a single cup that is part of the Seder meal of which all of the participants would drink out of the cup four different times they've already partaken twice this third cup is the cup known as the cup of redemption you see it all goes back to Exodus in the first few chapters of Exodus the four I will statements that God makes in relationship to the children of Israel. 
And the third statement, he says, I will redeem my people. And so the third cup is known as the cup of redemption. Jesus took that cup, the cup of redemption, and he said, this cup is no longer of the old covenant of the blood of bulls and of rams, but this covenant is the new covenant in my blood, in my blood. And by partaking of this cup on a willful manner by yourself, you are declaring that I am, I am a partaker, a willful partaker in the new covenant of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You are saved by receiving this cup. That work that Jesus accomplished upon the cross is my atonement. Just like the blood of the lambs on the doorpost covered the family that was within, the blood upon the cross, this cup representing that covenant, covers mine sin, my transgression, and I am forgiven in Christ and in Christ alone. The fourth cup, which Jesus did not partake of that night, because you know what he said, I will no longer drink of the cup of the fruit of the vine until we can do it together in my kingdom. The fourth cup is known as the cup of ingathering. And gain. there is a day that is soon coming that we will all partake of the fourth cup at the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we will be with Jesus in heaven and partaking in that cup of ingathering. That will be a glorious day. Can I get it? Amen. Amen. So we eagerly await our glorious Savior Jesus, our King, our Champion, who has given us freedom. And we declare to all in this place and we declare to our Lord, we are His. We are His, and He is our King. So, Father, this morning again, we stand in Your presence, and we thank You for Your great plan of salvation. You said to Abraham, or Abraham said to Isaac, God shall supply Himself the sacrifice. And that is exactly what You did. God, You took on humanity. You became our kinsman, our Redeemer, and You took our place. A substitutionary death, you die upon the cross, shedding your blood. The soul that sins shall surely die. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. You shed your blood to atone for our sin. And this cup represents the new covenant in your shed blood. And we give you thanks today. We give you thanks. Let's partake of the cup together. Hallelujah. 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 We're going to close with this tremendous worship song and we'll dim the lights again and we'll sing this. And I want, I want to encourage you in the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. Will you sing with all of your heart? Will you stand with us this morning? This will be our benediction or I will close us in a quick word. When she's done leading us in the song, let's sing together this epic song.